Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live or connect with us on Facebook. It is Easter and we celebrate the one and only King who has risen. We gather today in celebration, not because it's Easter, but because Jesus is alive. How many are grateful for this hope and promise that we have? The cross is empty, the grave is empty, and we have this great, great hope. We're glad you're here. And I, I truly believe this. It is not a coincidence. I know you're here because the schedule, uh, you know, it's Sunday uh, or it's Easter, but uh, we believe you're not here by accident, but God's design that he's stirring your heart that you had a, a, a lot to do with getting here today, but we believe God had even more, that he's ordering your steps and wants to, wants to speak to you, draw each of us closer in our walk and relationship with him. I want to look in Luke chapter 4. We're going to kick off a new series here at Faith Assembly with it being Easter, uh, sharing a message called The Return, Back Where You Belong. Uh, obviously, we recognize Jesus uh, rose from the dead. The grave shook and the ground gave way, and Jesus led captives into, into freedom. And so we, we have this freedom that is in Christ, but it's more than just the grave giving way and the return of coming out of the grave. I believe God wants us to walk in the fullness of what he's made possible because he died and because he rose again, that he's made possible for us to walk in the fullness of what he has for us. And so we're kicking this off today, and I really just want to encourage us with this, stop staying in the dirt. You know that uh, that right fielder in T-ball that just kept picking daisies or, or uh, uh, dandelions out of the field, right? Uh, hey, get in the game. Get quit playing in the dirt and uh, quit staying in the dirt. I, I just I recognize. I believe today God wants us to get out of the dirt and walk into the wholeness of what He has for us. In uh, Luke chapter four, if you have your Bibles, why don't you stand with me and uh, look? If not, you can uh, find it on the screen behind me. In Luke chapter four, Jesus is beginning His ministry. Uh, he has been baptized. John the Baptist baptized him. Right after that, he goes into the desert, the wilderness, for 40 days where he is, uh, tempt, goes through temptation, but in a place of isolation, grows uh, in just, uh, rec- he knows who he is, but uh, it's coming to a place of preparing for ministry. He then leaves the wilderness, and uh, we don't know how many days are in between there. We're not told but Jesus begins his ministry. Part of that is returning to Nazareth, and this is what uh, Luke tells us in Luke uh, chapter 4, verse 16. It says, when Jesus came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath. Let me just pause there. I, as I was reading this, and I thought, I thought, here's Jesus. He went as usual to the synagogue on the day of worship. He went to church. Uh, would you agree with me? If there was anyone who didn't need to go to church regularly, it would be Jesus. I mean, on, am I not telling the truth? I mean, this is Jesus. And so he does what he regularly does. He goes, as usual, to the synagogue on the day of worship. The scripture says that he stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. So there were those that when they would come in and if they were teachers, uh, they would be given opportunity to preach. So they didn't have just one person that would preach. It would be somebody who would travel. Jesus coming back to his hometown, they knew him and they knew that he taught. And so they're like, hey, let's have him teach. So he took the seat of teaching that day. They handed him the scroll of Isaiah. The attendant handed him the scroll and Jesus unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. 
Jesus reads these words in church on that Sabbath. Jesus reads. Can you imagine Jesus reading these words? He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. It wasn't him returning to his seat. He was returning or sitting down because they would stand to read the scripture. That's part of why we do what we do here at Faith Assembly. And then he sat down. They didn't have service with someone at the front and everybody sitting in the seats. They sat in a round, and their services were we're in a circle. And so Jesus had the seat of the teacher that was next to the chest representing the Ark of the Covenant. And so Jesus took his seat like everybody else. And now it's his turn to teach. So Jesus is teaching the teacher, the one who is the word, is about to explain what he just read. And so here's what he says. It says here that he sat down and began to speak to them. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. They began to, and as he began to speak, he said, the scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. Done. Mic drop. That's the end of the message. What you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. Everyone spoke well of him and was amazed by his gracious words that came from his lips. How can this be? Isn't this Joseph's boy? How can this be? I want to talk today uh, uh, just uh, the return that God wants us to walk in total peace even in a world that doesn't have peace. That God wants us to walk in total healing even in a world that has brokenness. That God wants to walk in completion even in a world that's still trying to figure out where hope comes from. How many know we know the way, the truth, and the life? His name is Jesus. And I want to share today of just this opportunity. You might be here today and say, yeah, but is that even possible? I want you to know it is possible because of what Jesus Christ has done. So, Lord, would you open our eyes to what is possible? God, may we not see just the ordinary, but, God, may we see the hope of the resurrected king in Jesus' name. If you agree with that today, would you say amen? amen. You may be seated this afternoon. I, I just uh, um, I appreciate people who are direct. You know those people? They just say what they mean, and they just say it directly. Uh, you know, when someone says something directly, you don't have to worry about what they're thinking. There's no question. You know, you, you don't have to, to, to ask. There's no room for question. The only question that remains is, do you agree with what they said? That's the only, that's the only answer to be determined. Do you agree with what they said? They're, they're direct. They don't leave room for question. And Jesus makes a direct statement, but he does so with grace, because I love and appreciate people who are direct with grace. I don't so much of people appreciate people who are just direct with attitude. How many know there's a difference? The, the difference between direct with grace, it says here that they heard Jesus' words and they were amazed because his words were so gracious. He, he said it with grace. And I, I believe that being direct with grace is this, when you say something directly for, somebody's, for, for someone's good, that's, that's direct with grace. But direct with attitude is when you say it to somebody because you're annoyed. And Jesus is speaking in this moment and saying to them, everything you've waited for has finally arrived. Everything you've longed for in this moment has just arrived. These people would have heard these words, Isaiah. This is not the first time. They would go to, to, to the synagogue on the Sabbath, and they heard the readings of Isaiah, and they would have heard, and the people who read these words for hundreds of years would have asked the question, when is he coming and who is he? 
Who is he and when is he coming? And Jesus in a moment answers those two questions in one statement. For hundreds of years they're saying the Messiah is promised. He's going to come and when he does, it'll be the day of the Lord's favor. There'll be freedom for the captive. There'll be sight for the blind. There'll be victory for those who are in oppression. That there'll be healing for those who are broken. When will that come? Who is it and when, when will it be? Jesus gets up and he reads the scripture. And then he sits down to teach. And he basically says, I am now. This reading that you've just heard, he says, has been fulfilled in your very presence. In front of you today is the one who is the only thing left now were for the people to figure out, do they agree with what he just said? This man speaks with such power and and authority, and he speaks with such confidence, but here's the backside of it, but we know him. We're familiar. This is Joseph's son. He, 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 he probably would have built some of our furniture when he worked with his dad when he was growing up here. We know him. He played with our kids. He was in our neighborhood. This is Joseph's son. How can this be? Because there's what we're used to. And how many know that when you get stuck in what you're used to, you'll miss out of what God has for you that's brand new? When it's just because we're, we're used to it, and sometimes we get caught up in life that it's just the way it is. This is, this is how it is. This is just how, how life goes. But God wants us to know the newness of life because he came to give us life and life more abundantly. When he's speaking these words to the, to the Jewish people that are gathered, this would have been probably not a larger group than us that are in this room right now, a smaller group sitting in a circle to hear the teaching of the scripture that's read. And Jesus says to him these words. He, he says that the anointed, I, I, that I am anointed to preach the, the good news to the poor. Each of these, he's, he's saying to them that, that I'm going to bring healing to your body. I'm going to bring uh, vision to your, your eyesight. I'm going to bring deliverance in your, in your captivity. I'm going to preach to the poor. I, I believe he's speaking to them in that moment. And, and those four things, that he's healing to the hurting, that he's bringing a place of wholeness, that what God is saying or Jesus is reminding them or acknowledging to them is I want to restore you to the place you're supposed to be. That you would walk in complete and total healing, body, soul, mind, and strength. Jesus said this, the greatest commandment. It's reported in Mark chapter 4. He was asked the question, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus replies, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And I believe as Jesus is giving these descriptions of what he's come to do, he's reminding them, I've come to make you whole and complete in a world that's broken and incomplete. I've come to make you whole. He's come to give us the ability to love him with all of our heart, our our body, who we are, that he is a healer for our brokenness, that he's come to heal your body, not only the physical condition, but the emotional condition. Have you found out that when emotions have their way in our lives, it affects the physical? Stress has a way of affecting the heart. Stress has a way of affecting the physical. Jesus said, I came to give you peace and rest so that you can walk in my healing. He came to heal our physical body. He came as well to heal our eyesight. He came in the ability to heal the way we see. The soul represents what we, the window that we look through. That when your eyes, the, the eyes see and it speaks to what's in the soul. The way you see things is really a description, an indication of how your soul soul is and what you're looking at God wants to Jesus said I come to give sight to the blind that's physical absolutely but how many know he also gives spiritual sight that he changes the way we see things oh when I come in a walk with Jesus Christ and I walk in the fullness he changes the way I look at stuff 
I got to be honest with you. There's some things I used to think were a big deal, but they're not as big of a deal as they used to be because he's changed the way I see things. Anybody know what I'm talking about? He, he changes me. There's this walking in wholeness. He changes the way the, the way I feel. He changes the way I think. He changes or changes the way I, I see things. He changes the way we look or, or think as well because he says this, and he came to bring the good news to the poor. This is significant because in that culture, poor people don't get the good stuff. He's saying the good news is the gospel. It is good news. It is the most precious and the most life-changing news. Guess who got the good stuff? The rich people. And Jesus said, I came to give the good stuff to the poor people. Well, does that mean it's not for rich people? No. Jesus said, I came to give it to the poor because you can't do anything to earn this. You can't be in status. You can't have, have possession. You can't earn this because all you need to do to receive the love of God is to receive it and accept it. You can't earn or achieve. He gives it to the poor. And that's significant because you say, well, what, what does that have to do with the way we think? Because that culture was conditioned that only the people who have the stuff get the good stuff. Jesus said, no, I'm coming to change the way you think. I'm coming to change the way you think because those who are poor and down and out are the ones who can receive because the love I give, you can't earn. The resources I have, you can't, you'll never deserve them. It's my grace that is given. It is good news, and that changes the way I think. You know the biggest thing? He came to change the way I think about myself. Poverty is not a condition of what you have or don't have. Poverty is a condition of how you think or don't think. I've met people who have very little, but they're not impoverished. They don't have much. I'll probably meet some more of those this summer when we go to Swaziland. I tend to meet them on missions trips when I go to other countries, and they don't have the comforts and the things that we have, but they have the joy of the Lord. They have this hope about them. Why? Because they've had a change through the gospel that they might not have much, but they have everything because they know and have found the day of the Lord's favor. He says, I came to set the captives free. This, this changes our, our spirit, the things that, that, that attach themselves to set us free in our spirit. We all go through life, and as we go through life, things get attached to, to us. We learn them because we walk in a world, and because we walk in a world that, 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 is, that is away from God, things get attached to us. We call those in the church strongholds, that there's things that attach themselves to us. Some of these strongholds are things that, that, that attach through life's experiences and what we go through, things like fear. Things like worry. You know, you learned fear, by the way. You learned fear. You weren't born with fear. You were born with sin, but you weren't born with fear. You, you, you were born in that ability to trust and to long and to, to desire. But life, the sinful world that you were born in with sin inside of you, has taught you how to fear, how to worry, how to become anxious, how to move in depression. These are things that attach themselves to us, control things that deal with uh, addictions and things that, that attach that we learn. But how many know the Son of God came to set the captives free? He cut 
free from those things that attach themselves to us. Why? So that we can walk in wholeness, body, soul, mind, and spirit. That all that we are, that God has given us the ability to walk in total freedom. The way he created us to be, sin came and interrupted the plan of God. But God said, that's not a big deal because I already knew my plan from the very beginning. I knew you couldn't do it on your own, so I made a way for my son to come and do it on your behalf. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, good luck doing that on your own. I love the God that we serve. He doesn't say, I want you to follow me and love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and now go see if you can figure it out. He says, no, I want you to love me, and here it is. You can only do that because I'm the one who gives you the ability, the day of the Lord's favor that allows you to walk in a new mind, in new vision, in new heart, and in new freedom. You cannot do it on your own. I've tried. Have you? I had that moment when I thought, man, I, I, I hate that I reacted that way. I'm, I'm never going to do that again until that thing happened again. Am I talking to anybody? I'm not going to let that thing bother me. And I, I, you know, I get through that. Man, why did I react like that? Why did I let that get in my crawl? Why did I, why did I give way to that? I'm never going to act like that again. I'm not going to think like that again. I'm not going to let that bother me again until it comes Again, is there anybody know what I'm talking about? That there is, that Paul knew this. Paul said the things I don't want to do, I end up doing. The things I don't want to do, or things, things I want to do, I don't do. But I don't want to do those things. I end up doing those very things. I'm a wretched man who can help me. Thanks be to Jesus Christ who gave himself on our behalf. To do what? To set us free. To, do, to open our eyes. To give us deliverance. To declare the year of the Lord's favor. Now, this is significant to the, to the Jewish people who would have heard it that day. When Jesus is reading from Isaiah and he says to declare the day of the Lord's favor. Now, this scripture he speaks of, he's saying the time or the day. He's saying it's now the day of the Lord's favor. This would have registered with his Jewish listeners. Those in the synagogue would have known. Jesus just read, eyes will be opened, the, 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 uh, uh, the, the, the bodies will be healed, the prisoners will be set free, all of this, and to declare the day of the Lord's favor. And Jesus sits down and says, this has been fulfilled in your presence. They knew the connection because they were Jewish people who knew about the year of Jubilee. The year of Jubilee, that it was, it was this time frame that they would have known there was, a, there was a year that was significant in the year of Jubilee within, the, within the, the Jewish culture, that God had a different economy than the world has. How many have found out that God's economy is better than your own economy? That God has a different way of doing things. And, and part of the things that, that God did, he set these things in order that every seven years, well, let me go back to this, every seventh day, he said, is a day of rest. Every seventh year is a day or a year to let the land rest. And then every seventh, seventh year is a year of jubilee, which the significance of jubilee. Here's God's different economy. The different economy is that when you learn how to rest, you learn how to trust God. You will never know trust without rest or you'll never have trust without rest. You know, the best way to be rested is to trust. What keeps you restless is because your trust is being inflicted. There's something shaking your trust and it, you lose rest in that moment. But what God's economy was saying, I want you to learn how to trust me. And one of the ways to demonstrate your trust in me is on the seventh day, don't work. Because when you work, you produce what you can produce. But when you rest, I get to produce what I can produce. 
He gave us rest as an act of trust. It is good for us. But then on the seventh year, he said that you're supposed to let the land rest. Well, why? Because the land needs to rebuild its, its, its nutrients, the crops that are raised and all that comes. We know this scientifically. It's proven now that farmers will shift fields and do things differently, give rest to ground. But Jesus didn't say it because it was a scientific fact. Which, by the way, Jesus did not catch up with science. Science caught up with him. Faith and science are not competing. They go in line. Faith faith is already far ahead. Jesus is not catching up with the science. Jesus, God didn't set this order to let the land rest. And then along the way saying, oh, what do you know? It's It's a scientific benefit as well, not just a spiritual. He knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He knew that it was good to let the land rest, but why did he let the land rest? He let the land rest because, yes, it needed to to replenish and the nutrients needed to come back, but it was also the moment for them to recognize that their trust is in the Lord. But then in Leviticus 25, look at this verse. It says, in addition, you must count off seven Sabbath years, seven sets of seven years, adding up to 49 years in all. Then on the day of atonement in the 50th year, Blow the ram's horn loud and long. Let me just point this out. Here is the significant thing of the Day of Atonement. What is the Day of Atonement in the Jewish culture? It was the one day a year that sins were forgiven. They would bring these goats, and these goats would come to the the Levites, to the priests. They would select one goat to be sacrificed as an offering, and the other goat would take upon it the sin of the people and then be left out into the wilderness. That's where we get scapegoat. It comes from the Jewish culture that that on the day of atonement, that this goat would go and, woo, all of our sins are taken away. But guess what? We got to do this again next year. But on the day of atonement, there was a sacrifice of a perfect lamb once and for all. Not for the next year, not just for a moment, not just a moment in time, but for all eternity, once and for all, a sacrifice on that day of atonement, which by the way, Jesus representing the day of atonement that our sins being washed away and forgiven. He says that on that day of atonement, on the seventh year, on the seventh, seventh year, which equals 50 years, set it apart. See this year set apart as holy, a time to proclaim freedom throughout the land for all who live there. It will be a jubilee year for you when each of you may return to the land that belonged to your ancestors and return to your own clan. Now you've got the day of rest, which is Sabbath. Then you've got the day, the, the year of Sabbath, the, the year that is, that is supposed to let the land go. But then on the seventh, seventh year, you've got the year of jubilee. What does that mean? What's different with that? Well, the year of jubilee meant all the debts were canceled. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. How would you like to live in the place that every 50 years, all the debts are wiped away? On the day of, on the year of Jubilee, all the debts are wiped away. So in that year, not only does the land rest, but the debts are washed free. It also represents that if you sold land to somebody because you needed to, the land came right back to you every 50 years. Somebody like, that's not fair. You know what? God's economy is different than your economy. You know why that's God's economy? Because God was telling the people, this isn't yours, it's mine. How many know we need to be reminded? This is yours. This is mine, not yours. That every 50 years, they would give the land back. Why? Because God gave each clan a place that was theirs, and they would get their land back. They would would get their place back every 50 years. But here's here's the cool thing. Every 50 years, 
Not only were debts canceled, not only would land go back to the original owner, but thirdly, all the slaves or indentured servants were set free to go back home. They could go back home. They, they didn't have to work those fields anymore of someone else's field that they could go back home. I want you to picture this. Here's this, this man. He's got his family, and, and he's providing for his family. He's done everything he can, but something came along. The crops maybe were bad one year. Maybe there was a death in the family, and he lost help or, or whatever it might be. The crops didn't grow, and now he doesn't have enough to sustain his home, his family. And so he needs to sell his property. But worse than that, he needs to sell himself as a slave. He needs to sell himself. And in this, this, this slavery within Scripture is not the same slavery we know and understand within our current or, or in the uh, uh, history of America and different things that deal with slavery. This was an indentured servant that would, that would come into contract and they would make a deal. And the deal was, I'm so poor, I'm so broken, I don't have what it takes, I'm going to work for you, and I'm going to work in your ground, and I'm going to produce your crops. I'm going to eat off of that, but I'm not benefiting my family because I'm stuck working for the man. I'm stuck working for this person. But this is the desire that when the year of Jubilee comes, I'll be able to be released. Uh, Imagine that man working in the field, and all of a sudden, he hears a long sound of a ram's horn. He's never heard it before. Why? Because it only happens every 50 years he's never heard the sound before he hears a sound like he's never heard before what is that I'm not familiar with it I don't know what this is I've gotten accustomed to working the ground to being stuck in this place and all of a sudden there's a declaration you don't have to stay in the dirt you can get out of the dirt and move into the place that you belong but there's a danger not a danger but an unfortunate that if Jubilee doesn't come because it's only every 50 years. I mean, I'm 45 years old, and if I needed to sell myself to, as an indentured servant in that culture, I don't know if I'd make it to Jubilee. And according to that culture, that whatever condition you die in is the condition you remain in. That if you die a slave, you remain separated from your home. It doesn't go back to your family. You remain in that condition if you don't make it to the year of Jubilee. How many know sometimes like, oh God, just help me to get there. Help me to get there. But if you heard the sound, you're set free. But the good news is this, in the Jewish culture, because how many know scripture is just to point to what Jesus did for us. That year of Jubilee was not just to give them order in Jewish culture, how to take care of the ground, how to, how to come into God's economy. It was also a picture of this is what it will look like when the Son of Man comes, when he dies and when he rises again. The chains will be broken. Slaves will be set free. Your healing will return. I'll restore what the enemy has taken from you. God is the God of restoration. And now in the Jewish culture, it was the year of Jubilee. But what did Jesus declare? Jesus said, the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord's favor, What was a year that you hope you get in that year and you only have it that lasts for a year. But Jesus said, no, this is the day of salvation. Today and tomorrow and the day after that, that this is the day. You don't have to wait. You can get out of the ground and you can move into the purpose back home where you belong. You don't have to stay in the dirt. 
You don't have to keep working in the place that's dirty. You can come and God can make you clean and whole. There's a story that Jesus gave in the New Testament, a, a, a parable. He's talking about lost things being found. And one of them is the story of a son. We know it in scripture as the prodigal son. The prodigal son meaning to, to fall away. To, he stepped out on his own. He was lost. Jesus, of course, tells the story. And the story is of this, this, this man growing up in his father's home. He comes of, of age. He says, Father, give me my inheritance. I want it now. Well, usually the inheritance wasn't given until the end. When it was time, you'd pass it on. He said, no, I want, I want it now. And I'm going to go do my thing. I want to make my own life, do my own stuff. And he went on his own, the Bible says. He went and squandered the money. He did whatever he wanted. He lived however he wanted, did whatever he wanted. He just lived life. He got to the point that he spent everything he had, he had nothing, and now he's working for another man, a pig farmer. He's now taking care of the pigs, and he's working the mud, the dirt of another man's place, taking care of pigs. He looks at the pig food one moment in a low place in life and says, if only I could eat what the pigs are eating. He had gotten so low that if he could just get by, if he could just make it, it was a light bulb moment for him. Why? Because he remembered his father. The Bible says that he came to his senses and he said, what am I doing here looking at pig food when the servants in my father's house have more than what they need? I'm going to leave and I'm going to go back home. He goes back home and his father had been waiting every day at the front door for his son to come home. Jesus tells the story that when the father saw the son from a distance, that the father ran to the son and took him in his arms. And the son said, oh, make me a servant. And the father said, no, you're not a servant. You're my son. You belong in this house. You belong here. I want you to know today, God is looking at you today and saying, you don't need to get your act together. You don't need to clean up your act. You don't need to get better. You just need to know you're my son. You're my daughter. Come back home. You might say today, but I'm not that dirty. I'm not that low. I'm not hanging out with the pigs. I don't know about you, but why would you compare dirt? I mean, how dirty do you have to be to be dirty enough to need a cleaner? I mean, I don't want to be too gross, but I hope you wash your hands after certain activities of the day. And if you're like, well, it's not that dirty, you're disgusting. How dirty does it have to be to need healing, to need wholeness? How, how dirty? And that's the danger we get into because the enemy conditions our minds to think it's not that bad. You see, because there was something written on April the 16th, which was yesterday. On April the 16th, 1863, Abraham Lincoln wrote a, 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 a law into practice that all slaves within D.C. area and all around were to be set free. On Emancipation Day, April the 16th, 1863, the word was written, it was given. All it needed to do now was get to the people. And there were those who were slaves working in another person's field. Not where they were meant to be. Not what was God's design. Not by God's order and God's will. But because of sin that comes into a world. 
and there were those that were set free, but there were those in Texas and different places that literally did not get the word until three years later on June 19, 1865. Why? Because it was only then that the Union Army was able to break through the Confederate line, the enemy line, to bring the word of victory. The enemy surrounding you and saying, it's not bad enough. It's not that. This is the way it's supposed to be. This is just how it is. This is how you were born. This is how you're raised. This is how you're conditioned. This is just the way it will always be. Pop that lie bubble over your head and hear the declaration. This is the day of the Lord's favor. Be set free in Jesus' name. Don't stay in the dirt. Can I tell you, he's given us victory in this life, but not only for this life. Paul said, if all of our hope is just for this life, then we're to be pitied beyond all people. Guess what? He spoke to us in this life. In this life, he said, hey, stop staying in the dirt. You don't need to be in another man's dirt. You can come to my home because I've created a place for you. But there will be a day of the Lord that the earth will shake. The trumpet will sound. Another trumpet. And the earth will give up the dead. That those who are dead in Christ will be alive with Christ Jesus. The resurrection of the dead. That we have this hope that is for all eternity. You don't need to stay in the dirt in this place. And when it's time, your body won't stay in the dirt. Because you will rise like he rose. You will be with him forever. Come on, somebody tell me. Does it get any better than the Easter message of Jesus? You don't have to be a slave. You don't have to stay in your bondage. You don't have to stay in your brokenness. You can walk in healing. I don't know today where you are, but I do know this. Jesus loves you more than you know. Jesus loves you more than you could ever comprehend. I'm a preacher still discovering the love of Jesus. Because there are moments I think of myself, God, really, I, I don't feel like I have what it takes. I'm not good enough. I, I don't. Uh. And the love of God cut, keeps cutting off those lies and keeps calling. You know why? Because I don't just need the day of the Lord, the day I met the Lord. I walk every day. This is the day that the Lord has made. Today is the day of salvation. I'm walking in the jubilee. I'm walking in the freedom. I'm walking in the return that God made for me. Listen, when he sets you free and takes you out of the dirt, you don't have to go back. I don't know if you're here today and you say on this Easter Sunday, before we receive communion, today you hear the Spirit of God. You sense the Spirit of God drawing you to repentance That's not the moving words of a preacher. That's the love of God that meets you right where you are. Preaching is foolishness, the Bible says. It's the foolishness of preaching. It's a tool and a means and stuff that God is using. But when God speaks to your heart, I want you to know, you've sensed this before. You've heard a song and it's triggered something in your heart and you sensed. You've seen something on TV and it's moved you. You know I'm telling the truth. 
you, you, you've seen something. You've watched uh, uh, other people and, and you've seen something and it triggered something in you. That triggering was not just your emotions. That was your connection to the creator who made you in his image, who is drawing you, who is wooing you, who is calling you. And even now you feel in your heart and in your spirit, this tug, this moving, you're being moved. It's not man's words. It's the love of God, the spirit of God, the anointing of God. He's calling you home. He's giving you the, 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 the announcement. You don't need to be a slave anymore. Don't stay in your dirt, in your filth, and your sin. Come home where you belong. Don't harden your heart. If you hear him calling, don't harden your heart. Because today is the day of salvation. The day of the Lord's favor. This is your jubilee. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and that stirring right now, you sense the Holy Spirit. You sense the stirring of God that's calling you to return. I didn't ask you how dirty are you. I didn't ask you how far away from God are you. Because listen, just to, to, be a, uh, to be a foot away is too far. But you're here today and you just sense God stirring. You're saying today is your day of salvation. You need to surrender your life to Christ. The word that we, we recognize is repent and it means to turn around to surrender your life to Jesus, to ask him to forgive you of your sins and to walk in a new direction after him, to leave the pig pen and come back home. With every head bowed in this moment, if that's you today, just lift your hand. Just lift your hand and put it right back down. Yeah, yeah, is there anyone else? Yeah, 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 come on, come on. Jesus, you are my say. Is there anyone else today joining those that have raised their hand to say, today is my day of salvation? Yeah, yeah. Today is the, Lord, the day of the Lord's favor. The day of the Lord's favor. Would you pray this prayer with me all together? We pray this as a family just as we did at the Uniontown uh, High School Field. We did at the State Theater on Friday night. On many Sundays as we gather, would you pray this prayer? The prayer is not what saves you, but it is your heart saying to God, I surrender my life to you. Would you pray all together in this place today? Dear Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God. I believe that you died on the cross. Forgive me of my sins and make me new. Today, I'm leaving the dirt and I'm coming home. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for setting me free. I am saved. And by God's grace, I'm never going back. In Jesus' name. Come on, if you're thankful for salvation today, would you just give God praise in this place? Man, I, don't ever let it get old, the salvation that Jesus gives us. He's made it possible through his blood, through the sacrifice that God has set us free. We're going to prepare to go into a time of communion before we, as we, we begin to, to, to transition or, or leave here today. And the only reason we have this celebration is because Jesus gave his blood and his body for us. When Jesus said, this is my body and this is my blood, what he was saying is, this is your jubilee. This is your jubilee. And so, would you stand with me? And uh, the, the worship team's going to lead us in this song. We're going to sing this in a song of response to God today, just before we receive communion. And let's, on this Easter Sunday, just return. The Father has called us, and let's make this our commitment. On this Easter Sunday, God, I'm going to keep running after you. Amen.
without being in a hurry, without just passing along, would you, let's just allow this response and allow Holy Spirit to lead you in this new course together. God, lead us in a new place to never be the same. recognize what he's done for you today for too long on my own I wasn't created to bear it alone I hear your invitation to let it all go I see it now provides we run after you today and Lord we recognize that you made it all possible because of your sacrifice so Lord we remember Lord we not only return but God we remember what you did for us and we honor you in this moment would you take the the bread as we pray over it and prepare to take together the bread representing the body of Christ that he has made it possible for us to have healing. The word says that 
by his stripes we are healed. Can I declare to you today, you don't have to walk in your baggage and in your brokenness and in your illness, but God has made you whole in Jesus' name. You say, yeah, but my back still hurts. Yeah, but your body is made whole in Jesus' name. He is restored and renewed. There is a moment of waiting for the work of God to be accomplished, but we stand in this confident hope that everything we need has been done in Christ. I want to remind you today, you don't You're not waiting on anything else to set you free. You have all you need. You have all you need. The work of Jesus. Not what you're holding in your hand, but what is represented by what is in your hand is all you need. His body and his blood. Jesus took the bread and broke it. He gave thanks. He said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take in honor of his sacrifice. Thank you, Jesus. In the same way he took the cup, it was the new covenant. Can I just tell you how thankful I am for the new covenant? The old covenant said you got to do it in your ability. Keep the law. You know what else the old covenant said? You only get jubilee every 50 years. But guess what the new covenant said? Today is the day. Come on, look at your neighbor. Tell him today's the day. Today's the day. Today's the day. I'm declaring in Jesus' name on this Easter Sunday, today's the day for me to walk in total healing, to walk in, to- in wholeness. Wholeness. That's what he came to give us. Life and life more abundantly. He gave the cup. He gave the bread. And I want to remind you, when he said, this is my body and this is my, my blood, he was saying that equals this is your jubilee. And so we take this in remembrance, but may we also rejoice because who the Son sets free is free completely. You say, well, what about daughters? Oh, yeah, it's all in there. That who the Son sets free. Come on, let's take in remembrance of his sacrifice and freedom. Hallelujah. Come on, lift a voice of praise to God. Just let there be a declaration that I am free. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. In Jesus' name, we have been set free by the blood of Jesus Christ. Aren't you grateful for Jesus? How many are in love with Jesus? How many are going to keep loving Jesus? How many are walking in freedom? Oh, may we never go back the way we came but may we walk in the provision that God has for us. We're so glad you've joined us on Easter Sunday. We hope that you feel even more connected to Christ, that you grow in a relationship. We'd love to connect with you. If you're new here, stop by our uh, Next Steps area. We'd love to let you know more about our next steps, how you can grow, grow in your faith, get connected here. But most of all, we hope that you'll walk in the wholeness that God has for you. It's why he died. It's why he rose again so that you and I can have life. The day of the Lord's favor. We love you. Hope to see you next week. God bless you.